Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The violent left, right? The insurrectionist left. You had a situation yesterday in D.C. where members of Congress couldn't leave their offices, couldn't leave the building. They could walk around the building. They weren't allowed to leave the building. They weren't allowed to enter the building. Because these pro-Hamas protesters, screaming for ceasefire, they made that impossible. They were trying to barricade entry into uh, the DNC building. They got arrested. They also fought with cops. They also sprayed tear gas at cops, as was reported. But yet, it's all the police's fault because, after all, the overwhelming amount of Americans want a ceasefire. What do the overwhelming amount of Israelis want? And let us be people who break this down into its most common denominator. And I will take on anyone on at any time on the subject. You want to call in? My name is Tony Katz. The show's called Tony Katz today. The phone number is 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Let us put an end to the conversation. Let us put a, let's, let's just make it stop. This conversation about ceasefire. You believe, not you, they believe that Israel is the aggressor, that Israel is uh, the, the instigator, the perpetrator, they're the violent ones, and that the United States is acting in concert with Israel to allow the violence to occur. Let us forget everything we know about the Hamas terrorist attack. Let us forget everything we know about Iran supporting Hamas. Let us forget everything we know about their charter saying they want to kill Jews and destroy Israel and wipe it off the map. Wipe that all away. Let us pay no attention to the people who show up to city council meetings around the country as we're now seeing video and they're throwing dollar bills at the members because they're bought and paid for because they're Jewish. Just like Ilhan Omar said it was all about the Benjamins. So pay no attention to that anti-Semitism and that bigotry and that hatred, which of course comes for you, me, and we, regardless of whether or not we're Jewish. Forget all that. Let's play the most basic game. And I share this with you as a bit of advice in how to handle this situation from these people calling for ceasefire. Ceasefire is not about the safety and security of Palestinian children. That's a lie. Because the people screaming that, and I want to make sure I'm clear about this, do not give a damn about Palestinian children. Just like as we have discussed, Representative, for example, Ocasio-Cortez, the border crier, She goes to the border and she cries when Donald Trump is in office. When Joe Biden is in office, she doesn't do anything because she doesn't give a damn about little brown children. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Andre Carson, Jamal Bowman, Ayanna Presley, add whoever else you want to in the squad. Don't give a good holy damn about brown children. They don't care what happens to brown children. They don't care how many cages brown children are in. They couldn't give a you-know-what in a you-know-what. 
I don't know if I could say it more clearly than that. Maybe if it wasn't radio, I may, maybe, maybe then I get, catch me, catch me later, and I'll I'll tell it to you maybe more directly. Let me say it again. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez does not care if brown children die. The only reason she would care is whether or not she can use it for some kind of political sloganeering to win another election. I said it and I meant it. And I do not base it on some flight of fancy or anything emotional. I'm basing it on her own actions. She showed up to the border when Trump was in office and took those photos of her crying when she wasn't near the border. She wasn't near those kids. It was a photo op, and we know it was a photo op, and we know that she is a terrible fraud. She's a child and a liar. Joe Biden has kids in cages at the border. The situation has gotten far worse. She doesn't shed a tear. There is no photo op. There is only one thing I believe that one could take from that. She does not care about brown children. She doesn't care whether they live or die. We now see these same people screaming about Israel, demanding a ceasefire in the names of the children. Let's at least recognize that there are children in Gaza who have been killed in this war. Let's don't pretend, don't be inhumane, don't be a freak. Yes, that has happened. Absolutely. Isn't it terrible, Tony? Of course it is. This is why we need a ceasefire. No. No, you see, children have died in Gaza. And children die in Gaza because of Hamas, not because of Israeli response. You see, you want the right result, but you want it for the wrong reason. What you want is the war to stop. No, wait, hold on. This is where I'm mistaken. They don't want the war to stop. They want Israel to stop. You you talk about the children in Gaza without recognition that for 41 days, it's been 41 days since October 7th when Hamas engaged this attack on Israelis murdering 1,400. And then they burn the women alive who they didn't rape and then burn the women alive. And then they kidnap babies and kidnap the elderly when they weren't killing babies and setting them on fire and burning them alive. That's what Hamas did. I get that you don't want to think about that. But it's been 41 days. And for 41 days, Hamas has been launching rockets into Israel. You scream of ceasefire while you have a terrorist organization still attacking a country. Never mind that it's Israel, terrorist organization attacking country. But your call for ceasefire is to tell the country just to sit back and take it. And take it until you're gone. And then it'll be, oh, well, you know, they just, they, they, they couldn't fight back. I mean, this is what you want. This is your desire. If you were uh, strong men and women, you would admit to this. But you're not strong men and women. Instead, you gather at the DNC or at Capitol offices or wherever else and you scream, cease fire. And then you bring a couple of Jews with you. And you're like, see, the Jews want to cease fire. 
Students for, uh, was it, Justice in Palestine, Jewish Voice for Peace. These are people who long gave up their Judaism for their ideology, for their liberalism. I'll say it to any one of them, anytime, anywhere. What? They've always been terrible. Their funding is horrific. Their view is horrific. But again, leave that all to the side and come with me to the down and dirty. Because I think this is the way we have to have the conversation. We know as rational people that Hamas is a terrorist organization and that as soon as they would destroy Israel, they would destroy the United States. Of course, if your desire is a worldwide caliphate, we have to go. And I'm not talking about we as Jews. I'm talking about we as the Western world, Western civilization, free and thinking people, people of a code, people of theory, people of philosophy and people of success. We have to be gone. So they can have their worldwide caliphate where they kill anybody who gets in their way and then they oppress the women. And ladies, if you think you're oppressed now by Republicans who actually believe in pro-life, you know nothing. Handmaid's Tale is going to become your life. My father is often fond of saying the people in America couldn't handle Sharia for a week. Bring them Sharia for a week. They'll change their mind. Oh, you let Hamas win? You're going to have more than a week, kitten. All right, but that's on you. I'll already be dead. So that's, uh, enjoy. We understand this. You and I, we understand this. They, these ceasefire mad people, they think Israel is the oppressor, right? Everything's oppressed, oppressor, because everything falls under that Marxist uh, viewpoint. It's what you see in the United States. It goes back to Karl Marx talking about the proletariat and the bourgeoisie, which is, of course, what uh, uh, Barack Obama then uh, cribbed as talking about the 99% and the 1%, the same exact conversation. And now you see how it has permeated and gone through on college campuses, gone through in, in culture. There's the oppressors, and then there's the oppressed, and that's how they want to view Israel. They don't worry about Hamas as a terrorist organization. It's just the poor, oppressed people of Gaza. So they view Israel as the evil. Okay, we view Hamas as the evil, and they view Israel as the evil. Why are we even debating? They're both evil. They're both awful. They're both terrible. Is this the conversation you want to have? This is the way you want to bring it? Fine. Let's see who wins. And this is my new argument. I've said this before, but I don't think I've ever brought it forth uh, this directly. We as rational people know that Hamas is a terrorist organization. You as haters of Israel, I should say you, they as haters of Israel and haters of Jews and haters of Western civilization see Israel as the terrorist. Okay, what is it? One man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter? No, but sure. Let them fight it out. Let's see who wins. Now, I wonder how many of the Hamas supporters... Um, although they won't admit it as such, are willing to say okay to that deal. I am willing to say okay, everybody's terrible. Let them fight it out. We'll see who wins. You want to morally equivocate things that have no place uh, being morally equivocated. That is a weakness. That is a grossness. But I'm willing to play the game with you. I won't actually do it. I'm willing to play the game with you, though. Okay, everybody's terrible. Now let's see who wins. 
if you were to present that to one of these uh, Hamasophiles, I don't even know if that's a word. Can we look that up? Did I just invent something, Hamasophile? They would tell you how that's wrong. That's not fair. Israel has this advantage. Israel has that advantage. Whoa, 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 kitten. You can't do anything about that now. In every situation, you'll decide that Israel has an unfair advantage. I've already accepted the fact that they're all terrible. Both sides. Hamas is terrible and Israel's terrible. You told me Israel's terrible. Okay, they're terrible. Let's see who wins. Well, it's not fair. What are you talking about? Terrible people aren't fair. If terrible people were fair, Hamas would not have murdered 1,400 innocent civilians. They wouldn't have raped anybody who was attending a rock concert. What are you talking about? You just said they're terrible. I'm saying to you, okay, let them fight it out now, and you're saying it's not fair. This is why the argument of ceasefire doesn't work. Because the argument of ceasefire doesn't exist both ways. And it does not solve a problem. And the problem is this existence of Hamas. And they say, well, the problem is the existence of Israel. So I'm back where I'm at. Okay, let them fight. Let them fight. Everything would be better for the people of Gaza if Hamas just stopped. Everything. But Hamas won't stop. No, Tony, everything would be better if Israel would just stop. Israel's not stopping. And you note that this is a very different uh, conversation with Israel not stopping. Because in years past, Israel always stopped. This is what happens when you have a unified nation. Speaking to somebody who was just there for a few weeks. The nation is unified. They're done dealing with Hamas. They're done getting picked off one at a time and two at a time and 10 at a time and 20 at a time and 1,400 at a time. It's now or never. And Benjamin Netanyahu has a political reality because the minute this war is over, Israel's going to throw his ass out on the streets so fast, you won't believe it. They're going to throw him out. 1,400 people died under his watch. They're going to throw him out. But the nation is completely unified to this concept of Hamas is done. We're done playing around here. And this is why the left is more and more agitated and why uh, the, the woke college folk are more and more angry. They can't get their way here. There's no, it, it would seem that the pressure won't work. Israel's going to survive because they've decided, okay, it's time to survive. The calls for ceasefire are calls for Israel not to survive. Are calls for Israel to suffer, for Israel to disappear. Why would any nation favor that for themselves? The U.S. would? Poland would? China would? Stop now. So, when people want to argue that Israel is the aggressor, oh, okay, you, I think Hamas is the aggressor. Why don't we just let him fight it out? We'll see who wins. 
and any other argument is proof of their desire for Israel to be destroyed. Well, no, Israel has too much of this. No, Israel has too much American that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You just said they're all terrible. They're all terrible. Let them, let them fight it out. Let them fight it out. The people who disagree with that, those are the people who support Hamas. Let me know how that argument goes this Thanksgiving. Or do yourself a favor. Don't even have Thanksgiving dinner with people like that. It's just not worth it. I'm Tony Katz. The House Ethics Committee making a move. And that move is to expel George Santos from Congress. I, You know, it's funny. I think we've discussed this many times here. Uh, George Santos lied about his name. George Santos lied about his money. George Santos has clearly lied about near everything. And we've discussed that there's no way this guy gets kept. But yet somehow seeing it is still like, wow, they actually did it. Or they're going to do it. Uh, the chairman uh, is uh, Missouri Representative Michael Guest saying that the chairman feels that the evidence uncovered in the committee's investigation is more than sufficient to warrant punishment and that the most appropriate punishment is expulsion. Separate from the committee process and his role as chairman, he plans to file an expulsion resolution during the 9 a.m. pro forma session. So wait, did he do that already this morning? Or is he going to do that tomorrow? Um, look, I, 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 I won't, I, I won't be surprised. No, it's tomorrow. He'll do that tomorrow in the pro forma session. And I don't see, I don't see how Republicans save him. As a matter of a guy in, in his voting, I can't tell you anything that was out of the ordinary or out of the realm, etc. Et he used campaign funds for personal purposes, engaged in fraudulent conduct. All these things are true. When he writes the book, it's going to be a doozy about what people will fall for. It's, it's going to be something else. Um, knowingly caused his campaign committee to file false or incomplete reports of the Federal Election Commission, used campaign funds for personal purposes, engaged in fraudulent conduct, in connection with uh, a group called Redstone Strategies and engaged in knowing and willful violations of the Ethics and Government Act as it relates to his financial disclosures. You took money for your personal account. Uh, you used money to make uh, purchases. At, was it, is it Hermes? H-E-R-M-E-S? Am I saying that right? You're going to go. Oh, and for smaller purchases at OnlyFans. Honestly, that should be allowed. That that should be that 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 shouldn't be a problem. He's going to be gone. The people in this district, I mean, Long Island has a, a, a lot. Of, see, it comes out. Long Island uh, has a lot of uh, uh, of Republicans, a lot of conservatives, and they're they're angry about this, and they've wanted him gone. So this is a matter of of, of hours, because I don't think anybody's going to move to try and save him. Or try and stop this. Well, Tony, it's going to reduce the the number of uh, Republicans, therefore reduce the, the lead for the majority. That's true. Well, Tony, it's almost an election. Let them vote for somebody else. Could happen. I just don't think it will. I think he'll be gone. This is Tony Katz today. 
So I've been trying to make sense of the economic numbers. Inflation is better, but it is not gone. And I don't quite understand the people who want to make you believe that, oh, no, no, everything is just a, a dream. Everything is, everything is not just a dream. What a weirdo thing to say that it is. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything going on over at TonyKatz.com. That's, that's the place to be. So it was this thing from the Today Show. I was like, this is crazy. It's You want to have the best of both worlds? You put together a, a minute plus of, of this kind of conversation. And this kind of conversation contradicts itself on every level. Prices have not changed much over the past few months, but they're still up more than 3% from last year. Bottom line, you're still paying more, but consumer prices are increasing at a slower rate than we've been seeing. Let's bask in the good news for a minute. Remember yeah. when it was 9% the inflation mm-hmm. rate? I mean, that was terrifying, and that was that was issue number one for American families. So 3.2%, that's better than it was in September. That means prices are rising more slowly. It's still rising faster than the Fed would want, mm-hmm. still faster than American families would want, but that is a slowdown in the inflation rate. Used car prices fell last month. Airfares fell last month. Oh. Gas prices fell last month. And rents and, you know, shelter costs grew more slowly. So all of that was the good news. Grew more slowly is good news. Yeah, you're paying more, but we should bask in the good news. Is there good news? I caught up with Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, as we often talk to you about these economic things. The CPI number, you have consumer price index, producer price index just came out. What does it tell you? The consumer price index came out uh, and uh, people took a look at inflation and said, my gosh, 3.2% on all items, 4% on all items, less food and, and, and energy over the last, uh, unadjusted for the last 12 months. And this month, all items were flat. Inflation was flat. We have solved the problem. Hooray! Is inflation over? Um, no. But it's in the right direction. And we have to, you know, I am very quick to criticize this administration, and I will criticize them still. But I will say that right now, inflation is heading in the right direction, but it's not because of Biden. It's because of the Republicans in the White House and Jerome Powell. Republicans in Congress, I would assume you meant. Pardon? Republicans in Congress, not in the White House. Oh, sorry. Sorry for the Freudian slip. (laughs) Um, Yes. So, of course, the people in Congress have, have kind of a plan. Now, I'm not saying it's good or bad. You're better at commenting on the politics of that than I am. But they have a plan to try to get spending somewhat under control. Jerome Powell is doing his job. So in the boxing match that you and I talk about all the time, Biden is losing and the rest of the country is winning at the moment. But, and, and at the moment, we must admit it. The numbers are decent. And when you dig down into them, they're decent. Even under the hood, they're pretty decent. What exactly under the hood made you say, okay, we could be doing something right here? Um, because when I look at core inflation, for example, it's 0.2 for the month. 0.2, that's pretty good. That's 2.4 for the year. That's not bad. That's a decent level. I'm, I would, I'm not happy with that level. It's still too high, but it's better. 
And so I like those numbers. Uh, when I look at the ISM report, that Institute for Supply Management, their manufacturing cost is actually down. And the PPI, as you indicated, which came out, is also sees things moving down. So there are some indicators that things are looking better, but they're still too high and there's still the boxing match going on. So the producer price index for final demand fell half a percent in October and the index for final demands good fell goods fell 1.4%. Uh so what is this this is what it costs to actually manufacture the things in the warehouses. You take from this also a solid sign. No, oh no. This is a one no, this is a one data point. Last two last 3 months were terrible. No, this is one month in the moving in the right direction. Do not misinterpret that things are great. We've had three months of disastrous numbers. We have one month that's good. Let's take it at that. So notice it. Don't necessarily think that we're, we're anywhere out of, of the woods. Exactly. You talk often about the, the fight between Jerome Powell, chairman of the Federal Reserve, and Joe Biden. And I understand your point about the Republicans in the House. It's because they've been able to, through whether you want to call it smart fiscal policy or total mismanagement of the House of Representatives, they haven't engaged any spending. Only now do we have the continuing resolution that gets to the House and Senate, which I think people actually uh, like. Maybe they would have liked less spending, but it will keep things at the same spending level, not increase spending. Uh, how much does the market look at the intransigence in D.C. and say, oh, this is excellent? A lot. Oh my gosh, I can't emphasize this strongly enough. Wall Street hates Washington. They love gridlock. When there's divided government and nothing's getting done, oh, Wall Street's jumping for joy. I mean, today, today the market reacted positively to Janet Yellen's announcement that the Treasury is going to start a very consistent, even policy, predictable policy of Treasury issues. It's like, oh goodness, so we're not going to get a dump of multi-billion dollars out of the blue? No, they're going to be consistent. So Wall Street doesn't like Washington. They prefer gridlock and nothing gets done. Um, And, you know, let's admit it. The previous Republicans running the Congress were not necessarily the opposition. They were just spending light, but they were still spending. That they were. They were spending away. Spending less is not not spending. It's important distinction. And one that we have to keep an eye on because now with this continuing resolution that has gone through, this continuing resolution did not change the spending calculus. We are still engaged with the same level of spending. And this is why, for example, Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District decided to vote against it. There were a bunch of Republicans who voted against the continuing resolution. Because it didn't engage the cuts. Now, I had a, a, a very detailed conversation with, with the congressman about a series of things. But we brought this up, his vote, and also, how come he didn't vote to impeach Mayorkas, which he has thoughts on? Is that seen as a repudiation of a guy you voted for for a speaker? And maybe more to the point, how is this continuing resolution different than what got Kevin McCarthy fired. Yeah, I voted against that continuing resolution too, Tony, for the exact same reason. It continues the spending levels. By, by the way, today we 
we pay more on the interest for our national debt than we spend on the entire budget of the Pentagon to keep America safe and secure. So the continuing resolution back in uh, September, the continuing resolution this week continues that pace. I, I, I don't care what you call it. Um, for me, I, I can't go along with it. I, I, I voted against it because it's wasteful spending. Again, I voted against all of the omnibus big spending bills when Donald Trump was president. I voted against all of them as Joe Biden has been president. A $34 trillion national debt is the biggest threat to the American dream for my kids and your kids and your grandkids that we've ever seen in this country. I'm not going to go along with it, whether it's under a Republican or a Democrat. This brings us to a second thing that took place, which was Marjorie Taylor Greene, the representative from Georgia, uh, moving forward with wanting to impeach uh, the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. And that did not go through. And people noted uh, in my beloved Indiana, your beloved Indiana, uh, that you were not a no vote. You did not vote. And people want to know why. Yeah, uh, Congressman Larry Bouchon from Evansville and I, traveled to Africa. We were in Djibouti and then in Kenya. We visited a remote military base uh, in Kenya to visit our Indiana National Guard troops. 130 of our Hoosier heroes are deployed in Manda Bay, Kenya, on an important mission. I serve on the Armed Services Committee. Uh, Tony, I've been deployed myself. I know what it's like to leave my family and go serve abroad. And, and, And Larry Bouchon and I we're able to travel with the governor of Oklahoma, both of the senators from Oklahoma, to go visit our troops. We we got back late on Monday night, but let me make this very clear. The vote on Monday night was not uh, for impeaching Mayorkas. It was a procedural vote that Democrats forced to send the impeachment vote back to the Homeland Security Committee. I spoke with Marjorie Taylor Greene on the floor yesterday. And, we'll, we're, I, and by the way, I fully support impeaching Mayorkas, but there are a bunch of Republicans who voted with the Democrats to table the impeachment vote to bring it back later to stall it. And Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to keep pushing for a final vote for impeachment. So I, I hope that happens very soon. Uh, Secretary Mayorkas has been uh, uh, has done a horrible job uh, in his role. Uh, the border is wide open. By the way, I support impeaching Joe Biden for these reasons as well. Opening the border wide open, the, the humanitarian crisis at the border, the drug crisis in our country, over a million illegals released, processed and released into the United States in the last year alone and all of the crime and the other issues that have come with it. There are lots of reasons to impeach Mayorkas and Joe Biden, but the vote on Monday was not an impeachment vote. And anybody that tells you that is lying about it. It was a procedural motion to table it. And uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to keep pushing to get that uh, final impeachment vote to the floor as soon as possible. Talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District, candidate for Senate, Republican candidate for Senate in Indiana. Were you in the House yesterday when the word went forth that you weren't allowed to leave um, uh, the office buildings? You weren't allowed to enter the office buildings because the pro-Palestinian, which I often view as pro-Hamas protesters, uh, were out there in, in force, whether it be in front of the DNC or uh, trying to make their case for ceasefire in this very, what is described as violent way. Were you uh, in your office at that time? No, we, uh, I, I was gone from uh, the office buildings at that point. Our voting, our voting uh, was over earlier in the day, but I saw the videos and you know, heard from some of my colleagues who were in the House office buildings. And uh, you, can see, you can see from the videos, we, 
very violent protests. You had, you had U.S. Capitol Police officers who were injured in the process. They need to be handled um, in the same way that the January 6th protesters who harmed police officers uh, were uh, were handled. So I'm going to be calling for the the Justice Department to prosecute these uh, these protesters that injured our our heroes here on Capitol Hill, the Capitol Police officers who keep us safe every single day. So we'll see if there is a if if uh, the same set of rules and justice are applied to those protesters as those on January 6th. I, 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 I hope that will be the case. I hope it's the case as well. Now, you could argue that what took place is a little different than, let's say, January 6th. They were outside. They weren't inside. Nobody stole anything, like the podium didn't go missing or anything like that. You can make that argument. But you cannot make the argument that these people who claim to be peaceniks aren't very, very, very willing to get very, very, very rough and tumble. I don't know how the Capitol Police are going to go about things. Uh, You know, reports that Capitol Police got pepper sprayed. An attack on Capitol Police should have Democrats in the House apoplectic because last I heard, that's wrong. So I'm looking forward to the charges coming forth to see how serious the Capitol Police are and whether or not the things regarding January 6th were given a little bit of political juicing. And I want to see whether Democrats are upset if Capitol Police officers are attacked. I want to know uh, if, uh, ins- if insurrection screechers from the squad are also upset with people who they may agree with engaging in acts of violence. I'm looking forward to their response. This is Tony Katz Today. Ammunition prices going up, and the expectation is uh, even more. Now, my my gun guy, uh, Premier Arms, which is in Brownsburg, Indiana, they're a sponsor of, of my morning show. Me, I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today. They're PremierArms.com. I, I'm like, always send me information. What is it that's going on? What is it that's being experienced? And, and what's being experienced is people are buying firearms because they're looking at the world and they're saying, this ain't cool. People who have never been interested in firearms before are buying. They're taking lessons. They want to know how to uh how to utilize a firearm, there's concern. There's real concern and there's real worry. The price is going up. As I have been told it, uh, the, the lower cost items, lower cost ammunition, lower cost firearms, they're already very hard to get. There are places that are sold out because those things go first. Gone. See you later. Um. The prices, according to shootingillustrated.com, have not yet reached the COVID-19 level. They are seeing wholesale pricing increase, which means they're seeing people buying. And the things that people are going for, um, 
five five six and two two three. So you're talking about stuff for an AR fifteen. Uh, there are some other things that are that are being uh, looked for, but they see it as your larger rifle calibers, anything related to quote unquote military calibers. That's how it is reported. The people who are buying a first time, I don't know if they're buying ARs as much as they might be buying just something for the house. But I don't necessarily think that's a, a 38. I would, I would, if I was hazarding a guess, it'd be more in the nine millimeter family. All right, what feels comfortable? What do I think is not too heavy? Uh, what works for the whole family, the husband and the wife? Okay, good. Let's get that, and then we'll train on that. That would be my assumption in how it would work. I think more to the to the point, though, is you're not alone in feeling unsettled because it's unsettling. And one of the things that's going to be a driver in this election, who can settle the crap down? Because we, in three years, have gone from... All right, the press is crazy, but everything else is good. To world on fire. And not just the world out there, own personal worlds. And thus people are buying. Makes sense. If you're going to buy a gun, you're going to buy an ammo. Buy ammo. Get trained, will you?